This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast, guys. So happy to have you here. On today's episode, I have the incredible Sieg Fisher. She is a women's health coach, and we dive into all things relationship with food, binge eating, yo-yo dieting, the lot. I know you guys are going to love this episode, but I just want to take this moment to say thank you to everyone that has left a rating and review of the podcast. I'm loving reading them, and you guys have no idea how much it helps me out. So please, if you haven't already, obviously make sure you subscribe to the podcast, but please leave me a five-star review, leave a written review. I love, love, love reading them. And I've been loving getting your suggestions of podcast topics in my DMs on Instagram. So please do that. I always want to ensure that this podcast is providing you all with value. Now, with that said, I am super excited to jump straight into this interview. Hello, and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's episode, we have fellow coach here, Sig, Sig or Siggy? Do you go by both? Both. Both. Okay. I'm going to call you Siggy because I actually really like that. (laughs) Welcome. Super excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, I was actually thinking before, when was the last time I did a podcast that I got actually interviewed? And it's been a while and I'm quite nervous, to be honest. So you are usually on the other side of the mic. Do you actually want to just let us know um, the podcast that you are on? Because they're both really phenomenal. Cool. So I have two. I am a co-host for the Women's Fitness Academy in Australia and I get to interview amazing women on there you were one of them so that that was really fun and then the other podcast that I have is a it's a passion project of mine and my one of my girlfriends Phoebe um, and it's called Girls Who Get It and we started off the podcast because we wanted to talk more about fitness nutrition mindset but lately we have found that we are just wanting to talk more about lifestyle stuff things that girls literally talk about day to day and it's it's so much fun I love doing it yeah I love listening to you um yeah really really interesting topics what I might do is also link both of those in the show notes so everyone can go and subscribe to those but I'm super keen to dive a little bit more into your story so we can all find out a little bit more about you so do you want to kick us off I suppose Today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about relationship with food. And I know that you have a history. Um, You're in a place right now where you have a really healthy relationship with food, but I understand it wasn't always like that. So take us back to maybe like your earliest memory and your earliest, um, yeah, your earliest memory around your relationship with food and maybe when it wasn't as healthy. Mm, how long do you have um it to be honest it started from a really young age probably from my early teens um I grew up in a household that we didn't necessarily eat healthy and what healthy looked like at the time was pretty much piece of bread with Nutella and peanut butter for dinner so that was kind of like the health you know relationship that I had with food and as I grew up 
I noticed a lot of people around me who were constantly dieting. Everyone was wanting to lose weight. My mom was always worried about her weight, my auntie, my friends, and it just constantly fed me this information that I had to lose weight and look a certain way and cut these food groups. And then as I grew older through high school, don't particularly remember that stage, but when I entered into uni, I noticed this pattern of binge eating. I would either deprive myself really badly from not eating throughout the week and then the weekend would come and I would just literally hover everything, whatever was in the pantry, whatever's in the fridge. If I could go get takeaway food, I would literally buy the largest pizza and just devour myself into food because of that deprivation throughout the week. And this cycle went on and on for many, many years and stupid me wanted to compete in bodybuilding, not realizing that, hey, Siggy, your relationship with food is really bad. Don't do this. But guess what? I didn't think at the time. I didn't have someone who, you know, was um, smart enough, I guess, to guide me into not doing the competition. Did the comp. I did really well. But guess what happened after that? I rebounded. I put an all the way back on, I started hating myself even more because that relationship that I had during uni came back to me depriving myself throughout Monday to Friday and then the weekend would come and I'd be like, yeah, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and like a big pizza or whatever I could get myself to eat on that weekend, I would do it. And oh my God, just thinking about this habit that I consistently have it just put me in a really, really bad place. So, yeah, it took me, to be honest, it took me a really long time to figure out what that habit was, what the loop is, why, why I was doing this. And that was because I was constantly in this, like, diet mindset of wanting to shrink myself. I just kept on wanting to be this smaller version of myself, not to take space in the room, just be that quiet girl in the corner, just look slim, look nice, look like a lady-like type of girl, you know, which is just ridiculous um, that we had to perceive ourselves, you know, to to look a certain way, to be a female-like, you know, to, to men or other women, whatever your gender preference is. Um, where was I going with that? Well, I, I <laughs> oh, that's a whole of, as you're going now, I'm, I'm just like, I can feel the, feel the fire in my belly just getting like, because I remember feeling that exact same way. We're taught that there's a certain, I mean, I think things are changing now, but how old are you, Siggy? 33. Yeah. So we're similar ages. So Growing up, I remember always feeling like I had to be quiet. Otherwise, I was annoying as a girl. So I had to just be agreeable. And if I was too loud or if I had an opinion, I was annoying. So like kind of just shush. And also just to look a certain way. So to present yourself nicely but not wear too much makeup because that looks gross and men don't like that. And, you know, to to have a certain body shape and weigh a certain amount and dress a certain way because men like that. And you're just always thinking, trying to live up to this persona of really what you think is going to make you feel accepted. And it's absolutely just bull crap. I think you get to a point where you're like, screw this. I'm living my life for me. I'm not living it for anybody else. Um, but that's, <laughs> we, we can talk about that on another podcast episode. I'd love to chat to you about that. 
Um, oh my god, I swear that would be such a great podcast. You've literally brought so many points to my head because the fact that you got told to be quiet for you know speaking up your truth. I used to get told that I was um, too emotional or too sensitive, whatever that means. You know, I take my my emotions as a superpower these days because I'm so open, I'm vulnerable, I'm empathetic. But back then, you know, my parents blessed them. You know, they were trying to do their best with what they could, but they would, you know, lower me and be like, "Hey, like, not today. Just cry in your room. I don't need to hear it," kind of thing. And that puts a lot of pressure on a small girl to live up to someone's standards. And in ty- in terms of um, dress wear, my mum, bless her, used to love dressing in dresses. I hate dresses. Hate. And till today, like if I do wear a dress, it's probably something very casual and flowy. I don't wear many fitted dresses as often anymore. I like baggy T-shirts, you know, hair down. Yes, and that's so funny you say that. Um, as you're talking, to me I'm thinking, you know, your parents love you, but what they're trying to do is make sure that the perception of you is accepted by society. And I feel like the decision that they were trying to make there with your mum was actually she was coming at it from a good place because she wants you to be accepted and be like everybody else, right, because that's going to mean an easy life for you as opposed to allowing you to express yourself and be all that you are, even if that goes against the grain. Um, Mm. And, yeah, it's a message that's sent to us. And No wonder why we grow up feeling like we're not good enough. We've got to pretend and be somebody else. Um, It's funny. I was kind of the opposite with my mum. My mum was a... My mum was a fairly, well, I say a feminist in one way, but also not a feminist in another way. She was very much the opposite. I was a bit of a tomboy, was happy for me to dress however I wanted to, but I came from a very, very conservative Christian home, like very. (laughs) So we talk about clothing. What I wore was scrutinised, you know, like, and I was shamed a lot for even sometimes just making choices that I thought I looked good in, you know, that I was you know, um, trying to seduce, which is a whole, once again, a whole other story. But, it, you know, all of those experiences that we have really make us the humans that we are today. And as you get older, you kind of got to work through that and understand maybe these beliefs that you have about yourself aren't accurate and you mm-hmm. can choose to live whatever kind of life you want to and completely own all that you are. Um, and it's an incredibly empowering thing, which is actually quite related to food. We talk about food as well, right? Like you talked about obviously being around people in your life that were always dieting. And and what I wanted to circle back to is you talked about um, in uni how you would restrict during the week and then you would overeat um, on the weekends. And I'm assuming that came from a place of not being happy with your body and just assuming that trying to lose weight, eating less is, is the best way to go about doing that. Is that right? Yeah, totally. And during uni, you know, that's those early stages is when I started um, my fitness journey as well. And back then there wasn't this floor of information that we have these days on social media. It was literally YouTube or the internet. You know, I used to go to bodybuilding.com and print out the meal plans that my favorite Fitspo would be doing and literally just copy and paste what they're doing, not realizing that whatever they're doing isn't going to suit my lifestyle or even their workouts. I used to do these ridiculous workouts seven days a week, like thrash myself to the ground, 
not realizing that hence I didn't work myself to the volume that they're you know doing and plus the food you know they're restricted because they're competitors they're not your everyday gal so hence why this binging pattern was happening yeah I think um I remember doing the same thing doing Maxine's challenge or Max and Maxine Maxine Max burn or whatever it was called I remember sticking to that meal plan which I actually think I can almost remember it it was like breakfast was egg whites or it was Greek yogurt and berries and then the snack was almonds and an apple and then the dinner and the lunch was some kind of lean meat so it was either white fish or it was chicken and then um non-starchy vegetables like no da you're gonna lose weight doing that (laughs) you're literally eating rabbit food absolutely and you think that this is fed out to all of these people and it's it's set up as a competition who can lose the most amount of weight um great great way to ruin your relationship with food and obviously what happened with you is is going to that binging cycle and I'd love for us to delve into more as to why that actually occurs because I think and what I find with my clients is they come to me with a lot of shame over the Mm. fact that they binge and they feel like they don't have the discipline they can't control themselves around food when really they're essentially setting themselves up to fail and setting themselves up to binge. Yeah, it's so true. So, you know, the cycle of binge eating looks completely different on any any type of um, person. But the typical, well, from my experience, the typical cycle that I was going through is the first one was I was depriving myself from the foods that I love, from the foods that I actually needed to eat to function on a daily basis you know, I was at uni studying really hard. Like I needed energy. I wasn't getting that energy. So then if I'm to deprived, then it, you know, I struggle with certain things around food, whether it's um, feeling obsessive with um, restricting myself from, let's say, you know, ice cream or chips or whatever. So then I have this struggle around feeling hungry and then from feeling hungry, I'll go into that binging um, moment where the binge is literally me giving in into the foods that I love, but I perceived it as, you know, the bad foods or, you know, feeling out of control. Sometimes you, for those who go through binge eating, sometimes it's like a, an act of embodiment like you're literally not in you're not conscious with your mind because you're going into this pattern because of this full struggle of being hungry so then you're feeling out of control you binge eat but then you feel so ashamed about binge eating so then you go back to that first act of struggling with it and then you're repeating that same diet regime that didn't absolutely work and that, that circle just keeps going and going and going till one day you're like, I need to do something about this. And that's when you start changing the pattern a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think the hardest part about all of that is I'm, I'm very sure that there are a lot of listeners right now that can resonate with that. Um, I too resonated with that. And it's almost like through those binging episodes, you're not enjoying anything you're eating. It's almost no. like let's get in as much as we possibly can. And, you know, as soon as you stop that binge, that feeling of guilt and shame just floods you and then it's like panic okay well what am I going to do now and then it's this well I've eaten all of these additional calories I've eaten all of these foods I need to compensate by eating less the next day what happens Mm -hmm. (laughs) what happens again you restrict 
and you end up in that binge cycle. And so the, the question is, is how do you break that? And I'm sure that you would agree, and that is your, your method needs to change. And what that actually means is you need to start eating more on a daily basis. Yeah, totally. And sometimes, you know, like as coaches, it, it seems so easy said than done for us because we're, we're live, living and breathing, you know, eating more food these days. But for someone with a binging eating problem, especially for myself, when I started going down that, that route of healing my relationship with food, the thought of eating more food was just ridiculous in my eyes. I was just like, I'm trying to lose weight. By me losing weight and eating more food just does not make any sense whatsoever to me. You know, I remember the first coach I worked with, I was like, yeah, so we're going to be eating rice in every meal of the day. And I was just like, what? Like I wasn't even having rice for dinner and you're wanting me to have it three times a week, uh, three times a day. And he's like, yeah, and add some honey and have maple syrup with it. And I was just like baffled, like honey? maple syrup like all this sugar all these calories I was oh my god frantic about it all but as I went on with it I noticed that I wasn't putting on weight I started eating more my metabolism you know how there's this perception that your you know your your metabolism slows down it does to an extent but it's not necessarily just because of the food it's also you um, your body's adapting to what you're doing and also in terms of energy that you're uh, perceiving. So, yeah, in terms of healing that relationship, it was around the food, but it was also around um, my mindset, around that building a better foundation around my eating habits and making me realize that I don't have to restrict myself from eating chocolate on a Wednesday night to just saving it for the weekend. And this is something that I work with with my girls um, to this day. I, you know, I have some clients who have this fear that they think if they have chocolate throughout the week, it's just going to ruin all their results. But then once they have that chocolate, they just realize the pattern has not changed. They haven't revert, reverted back to um, binge eating. Well, essentially, you're taking away power from that food. So when you are creating this scenario in your mind where you go, when I eat this food, this food makes me gain weight, you're giving power and weight to that particular food. But when you can understand if you have that food on a regular basis in an appropriate portion amount, you then you actually don't feel the need to go and overeat it. Because you're satiated and you're allowing yourself to eat that food. And that food just doesn't have that much power over you anymore. You're in control and you're making your own decisions. You don't have that food that essentially is sitting there really making decisions for you in a way, right? It's controlling you. And I just wanted to quickly touch on as well as you spoke about this, the fear of eating more and, and how it just doesn't seem to make sense around how you could eat more to lose weight. I just want to touch on that because I think what people don't understand is how incredible our body is. And you spoke about metabolism and the way I kind of, not exactly like this, but a simple way to put it is like you can essentially teach your metabolism to quote unquote speed up or quote unquote slow down by your choices that you make. 
And by that, what I mean is that when you start to eat more, the body recognizes that. And essentially, it wants to use those calories effectively. It doesn't want to store everything as fat. Now, when we eat in a calorie surplus, so we're eating more than what our body requires, that's when we do store fat. However, as you start to increase your food intake, your body recognizes that. And so... I guess the main thing that improves is just your general movement throughout the day. And we call that your niche, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is essentially a lot of movement that you're not even aware that you're making, right? So it's me right now, I'm using my hands as I'm talking. It's me blinking, me fidgeting, all of that, right? Now that actually burns, you know, a good amount of calories throughout the day. And then you want to think about when you're nourishing your body adequately, your workouts are going to improve. So your energy expenditure, the amount of calories that you burn through a workout are going to be better. Um, there is so much the body will use those additional calories for to, for you to be able to perform at your best. But what happens is if you go, oh, I'm going to really restrict my calories really low, the body's aware of that and it goes, okay, we're not getting enough food here. So we need to be able to survive and thrive on eating, you know, not a lot of food. So where we're going to really essentially, you know, slow down different processes in our body and when you get Tash to stop fidgeting as much, Tash isn't going to blink as much. And all of this adds up. And so it's not just as simple as, you know, cut your calories as low as it possibly can be. Your body's really smart and you want to work with your body as opposed to against it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love the fact that you mentioned that it's not just about lowering the calories as low as possible because let's say, you know, bloody Susie comes around and she's like, I want to diet. And she's like, cool. Well, Susie, what calories are you on? And she'll be like, oh, I'm on 1500. Okay, cool. You're on 1500. You're wanting to diet. Yeah, you're on 1500. If you drop it any less than 1200, she's not going to have much room to, to go from by continuing dieting. And then you have to ask yourself, well, Susie, how long have you been dieting for? Oh, you know, six, six months, 12 months. It's just like, far out, Susie. Like you're doing really well in 1500 for, you know, your diet, but you're not losing the weight. You're not seeing changes. Maybe we need to start changing, you know, the way that you're eating by introducing more, um, more food to it. So I love the fact that you mentioned that Sometimes it, the reality is to increase it to be able to give you more energy throughout the day and make those changes, not just the relationship with your food, but the relationship with your body as well. Absolutely. I think um, what I see, and I'm sure that you do see, and you probably experience in your own life, is that when you do drop your calories really low as well, it has a really negative impact on the way that you view mm. your body and, and your mind. And really common that you become really food focused. So because, especially if you've been dieting for a long period of time, you, when you have been restricting your calories, you know, to a point where you're not, you're not actually eating enough um, to live a really healthy life, you are going, your body is going to want to be able to try to become somewhat like hypervigilant about trying to get calories in because our body always wants to survive. And so everything becomes food related. And this mm -hmm. once again is one of the biggest reasons I find, and I'm not sure what it's like with you. And same with my own story actually, is that the funny thing is, is when I started to eat more, my cravings and my obsession with in particular calorie dense foods, foods that are high in sugar, that are highly palatable, foods that are highly processed, almost lost their um, 
their temptation that I had. I always felt like I just needed that food. Like I was craving always that I had like issues with sugar. I was addicted to sugar. I just wasn't eating enough. And then once yeah. you actually start to eat enough, I can honestly tell you right now, and people ask, are you a sweet or a savory person? Like, I don't even ever feel like eating sweets because I just always feel satiated because I'm fueling my body adequately. However, 10 years ago, no way. I thought about, I thought about sweet food all the time and I absolutely would binge on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that's something that you've experienced as well. 100%. You're literally bringing up my whole 20s um but my my journey of dieting when I was in my 20s, like it's crazy to think that all I wanted was just have ice cream all the time or chocolate or Tim Tams. It was because I just wasn't eating enough. I was depriving myself. Yeah, absolutely. And the hard thing is, is there's a catch here because when you're in that mindset where you're fearful of eating more, you essentially need to start eating more to stop the binging, but you're terrified of eating more because you think, I'm going to be gaining weight if I, I'm eating more. And so you're in this hard spot where it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I continue doing what I'm doing at the moment, not getting anywhere, but essentially feeling safe in my decision? Or do I do something that feels really unsafe that potentially is going to pay off and be going to give me better results? And as Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Was it Einstein? I'm not sure. No. Was it Einstein? I have no idea, but I know the quote. <laughs> Someone famous. Um, And it's true, right? Like if you are in that situation and nothing is changing, you need to change your methods. So, okay, so you do this bodybuilding competition and you've gained all of this additional weight. I'm sure you're feeling pretty uncomfortable in yourself. What's the plan? I suppose what was your next steps moving forward after that? To be honest, after that, I was continuing to focus on body composition. Silly me. I was still wanting to, you know, be be smaller, be be fitter in quotation, whatever that looked like back then, which obviously wasn't necessarily fit at all. Um, Yeah, every coach during that time in my early 20s was literally just body composition focus. none of them really understood the pattern that I was living with my nutrition. So hence one of the coaches was helping me in terms of progressing more of the volume of foods, but they didn't actually articulate why I was having this poor relationship with food. You know, because as we enter into the fitness and health industry, that's something that a lot of coaches lack in is the term of the mindset side of things. And again, over time, you just learn a little bit more about it. But we also need to understand that there's a lot more there than just the training and nutrition. It's the psychological side of things. And this pattern that I was reliving was from a really young age. And as we know, breaking habits takes time. It doesn't happen just, you know, yesterday. And we want results yesterday. So yeah, it was crazy. So for a long time, I was still just dieting. I was still depriving myself. Training was good at times. And it's funny because now that I reflect back, training was really um, going well on the early days of the week, which was like Monday and Tuesday. Why? Because I binged on the Saturday, Sunday. So I had this amount of energy to, to help me. But then throughout the week, I just really deprived myself and training volume went down. My strength was 
shocking. I ended up pulling um, pulling my back. I had a back injury that was ongoing for so many years, and I didn't realize till back then when it actually healed was how much um, my back affected my nutrition because I was depriving myself. You know, when you're when you're injured, you can't you can't diet. You have to build your calories all the way up to be able to let your injury heal properly. And silly me thought, oh, I can still diet and heal my injury. Nope, it took me even longer to heal it. I think instead of taking me a year, it took me about three or four years. Wow. It's, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, isn't it funny how like and you're so right when it comes to mindset about if you don't have that piece, it's almost like if you're thinking about building a house and you want to build a really strong house that's going to last for years and years, the foundation of that house is like your mindset and mm. it depends on what your mindset is. You can build, you know, the fanciest looking house. You've got the best diet. You've got the best training program. If it's on sand or if it's on something that's not stable, it's going to crash at some point. And what I feel passionately about, and I know you do too, and this was the game changer for me, and it sounds like it was for you too, is that when you actually stop every decision that you make in regards to exercise, in regards to nutrition, about trying to become smaller, trying to chase this look that mm. you think is going to make you feel good enough, like a good enough person, have value, finally feel like, people are going to accept you. But when you make decisions in your life for yourself, then the aesthetic stuff sorts itself out. Yeah. There isn't any binging because essentially what you're doing is you're nourishing, you're, you're making decisions with nutrition that are that you know are going to benefit you and your longevity. So you don't feel the need to go out and overeat on foods that, you know, are fine to have every so often and to find are fine to have in certain portions but you're not going out and you're not essentially punishing yourself by over consuming you're making decisions around your nutrition that you know are going to help fuel you for your workouts you're making decisions around nutrition that are healthy for your social life when you're going out to dinner and you're going to have something and spoil yourself or have a piece of cake for your birthday and because you have that balance in your life and all of those decisions are aligning with the kind of life you have and the life that you feel like you deserve and the body that you feel like you deserve, those aesthetic goals just fall into place. Where I think what happens is, is we start the other end. So we don't work on mindset. We go, okay, where's the diet? Where's the training program? Let's do that. Meanwhile, we are having all of this negative internal conversation in our mind where we feel like we're not good enough and we're chasing this end goal of happiness and we believe that through this diet through this training program we're going to achieve that happiness and we're let down because that's yeah. not actually going to make you happy mm, so true oh my god like it, it's crazy to think like what you have to go through to realize that it was never about the nutrition side of things. It was all about what's happening here. And the thing is, the downfall is we live in a society that 
just wants quick fixes. Mm-hmm. And by us wanting quick fixes, that, that puts a lot of pressure on people who are wanting certain results and can't achieve it. And when you can't achieve it, what do you do? You deprive yourself. You punish yourself. You you do all the horrible stuff that you would do to yourself, but you wouldn't do it to your friends. And it's just like, why? What What's happening here? Like, what can we... What can we change to make it a little bit better? Sorry, it's a little bit sunny now on my end. Nice. Um, Some rays onto your back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it sets up, it sets um, us for to failure. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a really familiar pattern that, as I mentioned before, that I fell into. It's that all or nothing um, trap, that um, perfectionism mindset of, you know, Throughout the week, I'm just going to be as clean as possible. And then the weekend, I'll give myself room to have the foods I love. But necessarily, like it doesn't necessarily work that way because you have to have that flexibility all around seven days a week, not just because it's a, a weekend on Friday and Saturday and you get to go out. So, yeah, you know, well, like you mentioned before in terms of um, the, the training and nutrition, it's just like it's just like adapting um, to training with um, with stress. By you know, we progress with our weights over time to get stronger, build muscles. But we need to do the same with nutrition and with nutrition stress, overcoming that fear. For for many of us, this is caused for you know a couple of reasons and. When we're looking at more the cognitive side of things, it's more through your, um, well, through our amygdala, which is like the fear center of our brain, for those who don't know. So we go into this like stress overdrive. And I lived in this state for so many years by not having everything perfect, not having my nutrition aligned, wanting some form of control in terms of my eating, which led me to um, binge eating. So I'm not going to go too in detail about the the brain stuff because it's like very scientific, but just to let your listeners know, the amygdala, it's like this small, think of like an almond-shaped structure, which is deep inside the center um, temporal lobe in your brain and which it plays a really important role in two different occasions. So let's say um, a role when we're meditating, when we're feeling like more, of control of the fun stuff that we do on a daily basis, which gives us love, gives us like affection, you know, mood expression. But then there's also the other side, which is also the center of danger um, identification and it controls a fear response. So if we're fearing food constantly, well, I did for a very long time. I was sending these messages to my brain to perceive food as danger or to perceive chocolate as fattening or carbohydrates or rice, for instance, because I was I was afraid of rice. I have I reckon I have almost half a kilo or maybe close to a kilo these days of rice a day, a freaking day. And I was fearful of it for so long. It's just it's crazy to think like how far you've come. So yeah, you could see how your part of your brain just controls this fear-based response um, to you with, um, with food. So as I mentioned, like, you know, with carbohydrates, many women are told from a young age that carbohydrates are the devil 
or fat is fattening. And every time you eat it, your brain perceives the fat that you eat or the carbohydrates um, as as bad. So the beauty about this, you know, like I've mentioned like the downfall of it, but the beauty about this, you can change your thoughts around this. And like you said um, before, Tash, is we need to stop letting our thoughts control us and let us control our thoughts. Because we have over 70,000 thoughts a day. It's just, it baffles my mind how many thoughts we go through a day. I I could be sitting on the toilet right now thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. What should I cook for dinner? Or, oh my God, I need to text a client. Like just random stuff that pops up. So we also need to be aware of these thoughts that they're not always facts. They're just thoughts that are coming through your brain. And by getting educated and well-informed around your nutrition and letting yourself know, hey, carbohydrates aren't actually the devil. They're actually very freaking useful for, you know, the function of your brain, your body, your health, um, ladies, your hormones, Mm -hmm. same with fats. And they're freaking delicious. Like why wouldn't you want to be eating carbs? Too right. (laughs) Exactly. There's a lot in that. And I um, thank you so much for explaining that because sometimes I really believe that we are our own, we are our own worst critic. And so a lot of blame can get placed on. So, you know, you're binging and you feel like you're out of control around foods. And it's helpful to understand actually what's happening up in your brain. It's not just maybe that you're lacking self-discipline. It's not a reflection on you as a person not being a strong individual, but maybe it's these deep-seated beliefs that you have around food that are meaning you're acting in a certain way where you're actually trying to protect yourself because you are viewing this as an actual fear and you're right around your thoughts. And today, and I shared this on my stories, and I always try and be as honest as possible in that, We all have days when we don't feel good. And even if it's a day for you where you feel like you've overeaten and you've binged, you're going to have really negative thoughts that pop into your head. It doesn't actually matter at what point in your life you reach, you're going to have negative thoughts pop in your head. Was it 70,000 you have a day? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 70,000 or 80,000. Like it's a ridiculous amount of thoughts. Okay, a lot. And I think if that's the average, I reckon for the way that my head is, I'm probably (laughs) up at like 150. (laughs) So, you know, we all have so many thoughts and those thoughts, a good chunk of them are going to be negative and they're going to be not accurate. And the most powerful thing that you can realise in your life is that you decide whether to believe them. Now, you can't stop those thoughts. They're going to pop into your mind. But if you can allow them to just swim, if you think about it, I always think about, I'm a very visual person and this is going to sound like a really strong Okay, it's going to sound really strange, but I think of my head as being a fishbowl, <laughs> okay? And I've got a fish swimming around and there are negative little fishies in there that have negative thoughts and I can choose whether I want to listen to those thoughts or whether I can allow those thoughts to swim around and I can just ponder on them, but I don't need to take them as gospel. I don't need to believe them 100%. Once you realise that, your life changes where what we do is sometimes we're not even aware of the thoughts that we're thinking and we are just taking that on as truth without actually sitting back and going, hold on, let's question that. Is there val- val- validity to that? Is there actually, 
you know, science to back up that thought? Or is that thought coming from what my auntie said to me on Christmas Day when she wouldn't have potatoes because she said that she was trying to lose weight? You know, all of these subconscious things that we've been fed will breed these unhealthy thoughts and inaccurate thoughts in our head. And we need to be aware of those in order to change our behaviour. It's hard. It takes years, you know, it takes years. Um, And uh, it's about chipping away at it. 100%. 100%. You know what? Some days I still find myself like chipping away with my, with my thoughts. You know, so a, a thought will pop up and I'll be like, oh, that's funny. I'm being challenged right now with what happened when I was like 10, for instance. Or So, but yeah, it, like, I'm not going to sit around and be like, oh, you know, one day it's just going to like come to you and everything's going to be fine. It's just like, no, sometimes I still deal with certain food situations that make me feel uncomfortable but I'm well aware of my thoughts now. I don't let them control me. I don't go into that pattern of binge eating again because, A, I don't even diet anymore, okay? I can't even remember the last time I died. It was probably pre-COVID, um, so what we're talking about over like two years now. So taking yourself away from a diet culture is also going to help you to build a better relationship with food as well because... Yeah. Sorry, see, I cut you off. I thought you were finished, but you were still going. So keep going. Sorry. No, 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 that's okay. So what I was saying is, you know, for the in, um, for the story that I mentioned before, you know, for so many years I was dieting for so long, but I wasn't healing my relationship with food. I was just making it worse. I was going through this cycle that was just so toxic for for my body and for my mind. But then once you are able to take yourself away from dieting, and instead of trying to shrink yourself all the time, you look at other avenues that you're wanting to work on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in terms of training. It could just be like you starting to learn, to doing um, other things that you love. It could be rock climbing. It could be riding a bike. It could be, I don't know, painting, whatever. Like take your mind away from just solely focusing um, on food. Yeah, 100%. All I'm thinking, though, at the moment is I'm thinking about people that are listening that will go, okay, easy for you to say. You two are like fitness professionals. You probably feel really confident in your body. Like you guys look good, you know. I'm in this position where I've got all of this excess fat or I don't feel like I look good. How can I just spend some time not thinking about food and being okay with my body when I hate it? Which is a fair thought, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, I can say, yeah, there's, I can understand where you're coming from there. Um, And I'd love to get your thoughts on this. But what I would say is that unless, like we've spoken about, you actually fix the mindset side of things, your body's not going to improve anyway. (laughs) They're both hard options that you're in. Yes, you're uncomfortable right now. Like it sucks. I get it. But you're going to choose your hard. And that doesn't mean that you can't work towards your goal. It's not like, okay, give up, just eat what you want and accept that, you know, you're going to be, at a weight that you're uncomfortable at. That's not what I'm saying. But what's important is you're going to need to shift the way that you are looking at things in that you need to ensure that the decisions that you make when it comes to your health and fitness journey are coming from a place of wanting to sustain your results. So we've we've talked about um, not chasing short-term gratification, but understanding that we're going to set this up. This is going to be a lifestyle change. This is not an eight-week, six, uh, eight-week, 10-week, 12-week program. This is a lifestyle change. And that means you're going to need to get uncomfortable at certain points. Maybe you do need to work on 
improving your health before you go into another fat loss phase, especially if you've been chronically dieting. That's hard, right? Especially it's really hard if you're not happy with your body, but maybe that's what you need in order to get to your end goal, which it usually is. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's something that I do with all my clients who come from a background of um, binge eating or long years of dieting is building that foundation again and making them realize that, hey, step one, may it may not take you six to eight weeks or 12 weeks. It may take you four, four months. It may take you six months. One of my girls, we just celebrated nine months of building her um, foundational eating habits because she was binging for ongoing years where now she doesn't even feel the need of binging, which is amazing. It's so, it's so rewarding. And during this time, again, in terms of like body confidence, yes, it can feel really awkward at times when not when you're not solely focusing on food, but you're also going through this beautiful phase where you are reconnecting with your mind and your body. And that looks through like hunger. That looks through, um, you know, certain performance um, goals that you have if you're one who, who trains. And also getting to learn to understand your own cravings, your own subconscious food rules. And this comes down through habits, routines. It comes down to understanding your lifestyle as you said, sometimes it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable and you're going to have to change those habits. You might even have to change your environment. Do you know what I mean? Like certain people that may trigger your binge eating or certain environments, you're going to have to start taking yourself away from those places to be able to grow. So there's no just like one one method to, to fix it, but there's various ways to look at it. And it it just depends on the individual. Sometimes utilizing tracking is helping the individual to realize how many calories they're actually eating. What is the macronutrient um, density that they're they're having? Are they removing certain foods because of the calories? If they are, why? Like, let's learn to have a little bit more flexibility around it. Let's learn different foods, different styles of eating, or, you know, gaining more understanding of different recipes. So that way you can learn how your body really needs the use of the energy of each type of food or the macronutrients, the micronutrients, something that a lot of people don't talk enough about and getting a very informed way to how to structure your meals across, you know, the day or the week to start building a more informed way of eating, which to be honest, like that way you receive a better structure guideline personally, I think, by learning about all these um, different types of um, phases of eating. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's not as simple. If it was as simple as just sticking to a certain calorie amount and filling it up with whatever you want, then I don't think we'd have an issue with our nutrition. So many of us fall into that yo-yo dieting. And that's because, like you said, they haven't spent that time going back and building that solid foundation. It hasn't set them up for long-term success. Um, I know for you, Siggy, your heart is just to see women thrive, nourish their body, and just like just stop trying to chase this smaller version of yourself and uh I feel so so passionate about that too it's just like almost like this rebellious side of me that's just like screw it like screw everyone and what they think 
You be who you want to be and you live your best life and stop trying to live up to what whoever is telling you. And you you spoke about removing yourself from certain environments and all I could think about was if you are in an environment where there are friends that are feeding that diet mentality, get out of there. If you go to a gym where it's very much focused on aesthetics, get out of there. You need to surround yourself with people that are going to bring you up and really in that stage of your life are going to be able to support you to where you want to be and also be the best that you can be no matter what shape that is. Because let's be honest, you know, you can diet for your whole life. Like you can be on a diet your whole life. You may never get to that body that you want to be at. And so what are you going to do at that point? Like, are you going to still hate yourself when you're 50, 60, 70, 80? I'd hope not. Oh, my God. It's so painful to see that because the um, one of my clients, she didn't necessarily have a binge eating um, problem, but it was more around the increase of food. She always perceived herself as someone who just eats 1,700 calories. It's just like, yeah, cool. We can do that, but like longevity wise, you're gonna have your body adapts to it. You're gonna have to build a little bit better foundation around that. And she has just entered her 40s, and she said that she has never felt her best in terms of body and mind in her life since like um, since doing the coaching. So to get that feedback and to get someone who has done a amount of work throughout the year of working together it literally just gives me so much more confident that so many other women can do this as well we just have to continually repeat this message that you don't have to diet in order for you to look good you can do so many other things yeah I love that. You're killing it with your clients, clearly. that's It's so rewarding, isn't it? You know, like weight loss. Um, I made a post on Instagram today around what people think is a, a successful coaching program and so many people will look at it before and after and go, oh, wow, that person's lost so much weight. That worked. And it's like, nah, that's like that's that's kind of like the cherry on the cake. But the cake, like the good stuff is the lifestyle change is the confidence you gain is the food freedom you gain is the education you get the energy levels your hormonal health like the stuff that gives you a long life it gives you a good life and essentially makes you a really happy person and a confident person like that's the game changing thing and I really hope and I'm sure you spread that message and I do that women start to understand that their value and their whole point in living on this planet should not be revolving around what that number on the scale is, but the impact that they can make. And essentially they want to make sure that they make the best impact they can in life. And that needs to come from, you know, uh, really making sure that they are fueling their body adequately and not fearing food. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Siggy. I've loved our conversation and I have to get you back for another um, podcast episode and we can talk about, I'm sure there's lots of subjects we can cover. <laughs> I would actually love that part two of this segment. Why not? Absolutely. We can go on rants. That's what I reckon we should call it, Siggy and Tasha's rants and we can just Done. Let's do it. go wild. Yeah. <laughs> now, where can everybody find you? Um, so I'm on a few platforms um, at the moment. The, my main one is on Instagram. You can find me on Sig Fisher. Um, I do also have my business account, the Ladies Strength Department, and I've literally just started a TikTok. Welcome. Um, Whoa, welcome. 
yeah profile so that's sig fisher as well and yeah i'm just starting to dabble into that it's a whole new world for me that one yeah i don't know what i'm doing on it to be honest it's it's uh yeah i have no idea it's a totally different beast it's fun um, and you can definitely waste a lot of time on there because there are some very funny people. But um, I'll, I'll have to go and support you. And I'll make yes. sure all of those links are in uh, the show notes as well. Yes, love that. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Siggy.